Welcome to the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. Thank you, Bobby Hunt, for that intro. We always appreciate the family affair that this is over here at the Robert Hunt Financial Market Update. We've got a great show for you this week. As usual, great one. We are going to be looking at an article titled, The First ETF Launched 30 Years Ago Revolutionized Investing. Friend of the show sent this. You know who you are. Another article, Wall Street Journal, The Rich Pull Money from Banks Offering Paltry Rates. Believe it or else, the real story is within the story on this one. you got to look past the headline. There's incredible truths about who your advisor really is. And then, in closing, another article about cash, because this is what everybody's thinking about with interest rates. Jittery investors turn to cash and hunt for yield. Another Wall Street Journal article where we're going to look at uh, some investor psychology as well. So at the top, the first ETF launched 30 years ago, Revolutionized Investing by Jack Pitcher. Subheadline, the Spider S&P 500 ETF Trust gave investors the ability to buy and sell hundreds of stocks through a single publicly traded share for the first time. Okay, let's back up and do some definitional work because it may be tempting just to push right through this without understanding what we're talking about. That's always a temptation, even for me, sometimes especially for me. So ETF stands for Exchange Traded Fund. Well, what is that? Why was this such a big deal that 30 years ago this Spider S&P 500 ETF was launched? Well, when it launched, it didn't launch to a bunch of fanfare. It was kind of a quiet entry into the marketplace. Well, the exchange traded fund, what was unique is it took the index fund, the market cap index fund, that fund, the S&P 500, we'll use it as our example, those 500 companies that are representative of the American economy as defined by Standard & Poor's, put them together in a package, and John Bogle, one of our North Stars in investing, said, hey, this is the best way to do it. This is, this is a data-driven decision, low-cost, simple, long-term, some of my favorite words, as you know. And now, and that was a perfectly great invention, it was a little clunkier on the buy and sell side. So mutual funds, they actually trade one time a day. So you'd put in your order, and at the end of the day, they would match up what they called the net asset value of that fund, They'd, they'd add you to the fund, all would be well. But it's a little clunkier administratively, and so there were a little bit of cost added. But perfectly fine to just have a mutual fund. What the exchange-traded fund did is it offered investors a temptation to trade throughout the day. So just that mutual fund, take that a, a very same uh, structure internally, but externally, it's now can be traded throughout the day. And that net asset value that's trued up at the end of the day that's perpetually being solved for throughout the day. So you have various market makers and participants always seeking to ensure that that exchange-traded fund trades close to the net asset value and takes advantage of that arbitrage. So for you, investor, just a quick way of thinking about it. Mutual fund, a little bit more expensive, trades once a day. ETF, exchange-traded fund, trades throughout the day. And net asset value is determined uh, or, or, or it is helped to create that right asset value by market participants, not by the fund company of the day. So that's our definitional intro. Why is this a big deal? Well, if you are post-millennial in your eschatology, meaning you believe the world's getting better and better as Christ's kingdom expands, 
I recognize I'm being a little aggressive here in my sermonizing. But a great thing to look at is dentistry. Because dentistry has expanded and been enhanced. And you would not want to go back in time. When people talk about the good old days, they don't talk about dentistry. Because they were not good old days. Well, in investing, the same principle remains. The good old days were not 30 years ago. They were not 60 years ago. It was rough going investing. Investing is tracked the way dentistry has, and that it has become easier and easier and a better and better time to be an investor. The best time to be an investor I've ever seen is January of 2023. I've never seen a better time to be an investor. I've never seen it. When I first started uh, investing in the late 90s, not easy to partner with a low-cost brokerage company, not easy to get past uh, the various salespeople that were gatekeepers on the investing world, not easy to find investing products that were low-cost and simple. Well, now the consumer has an incredible amount of number of choices. It's just hard to pick the right one. But you've got Robert Hunt Financial to help you along the way. So next to uh, the semiconductor and antibiotics, I believe the index fund is one of the prime, most really most important inventions of the 20th century. And the ETF is just another wrapper that is helpful for that, ext- that index fund. So what, what, why does this matter? Why, why is this... Um, a big deal to me. Well, one, I want you investor to appreciate the time that you're living in. So when the spider launched this ETF that tracks the S&P 500 on January 22nd, 1993, no one cared. The article reads, at the time, it was not a watershed moment, but it's now hard to imagine investing without ETF, said Todd Rosenbluth, an industry veteran and head of research at Vetify. A whole generation of investors only thinks about ETFs to get diversified exposure. Well, that's true. And what ETFs have done is it's it's created outs, escape hatches for people that are in bad environments for investing. So let's say you're at a bad brokerage house, you're at a bad uh, wealth management house, and they're telling you, oh, we only have these products, oh, we don't offer those funds. ETFs have kind of snuck in, and you can anybody can buy those on an exchange. So there are a lot of times where clients of mine will come in, and either because there's a cousin who's in charge of it, or they just feel... Um, the inertia is too great to move from their traditional bank or insurance company. I'll say, great, okay, we will stay here and we will just use these ETFs that are low cost. So in subsequent articles here on the, this podcast, I'll talk about how ETFs can be used for cash management, but you can use ETFs for cash management. Uh, and it really has democratized the choice you have. Now that John Bogle was always quick to warn. He actually, even prior to his passing, said he wasn't sure ETFs were a force for good. Now he was kind of this dyed-in-the-wool, old-school guy. He didn't want people trading frequently. And he felt ETFs were a gateway drug to regular trading that was not in alignment with that long-term, low-cost, simple philosophy that I love and that he loved. And that's true. You can use ETFs inappropriately to try to day trade even. People do it. Well, that's not the way to use them. You should use them like you do your index mutual funds, they're just a little cheaper. And oh, by the way, there are some unique tax characteristics as well that make ETFs very tax efficient, particularly at, at Vanguard, but other, other fund families appear to have uh, mimicked this behavior. But it allows for ETFs uh, to be very tax efficient as well, which is, which is what you want. So um, why do ETFs matter? Transparency, another democratization uh, element to investing, lower cost because it's simpler for these fund houses to operate and manage them. And then you're just opened up to these various different uh, 
uh, asset classes that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So uh, what this article shows is just the absolute momentum behind this. So if you're a ETF, low cost market cap based investor, feel good. Um, this article quotes uh, Mr. Bartolini says, when you have underperforming active managers with a high fee and you're getting hit with a capital gains tax, that's going to lead people to leave. So this has just been happening. A lot of this has been happening. Uh, 95% of the ETF market is passive strategies. So uh, there are uh, exceptions to this, a famous one being Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF that tries to invest in disruptive companies and it's down 67% in 2022, yet despite that, has taken in more money. That's when you know you're a good marketer. So this is an example that I would agree with Bogle and I'd say, yeah, don't, don't jump on this train. Uh, Kathy Wood's view of in investing as interesting as it is to me, I actually read some of their re research reports because they're entertaining and point to a better world ahead. But we don't need to get off the market cap index fund train. We should stay on it. It's been incredibly predictably successful over the last 40 years. Why, why jump on the latest and greatest, supposedly? Uh, the article continues, there are uh, really arcane ETFs, unique flavors of the day. This Direxion Daily Tesla Bear 1X share ETF, which was launched in August, it provides an exact inverse performance of Tesla shares. So, so if te it, ideally, if Tesla goes up seven, this will go down seven percent. That was kind of this week, right? Tesla, but if Tesla goes down seven, this should go up seven. It usually doesn't work out like that. The way they, they manage these funds is pretty hard. But that's the temptation. The danger of ETFs is that it's kind of like you're, you're just going to the store, and there are so many choices that if you don't have the right philosophy before you walk in, you're gonna buy stuff you shouldn't buy. So maybe like walking into Whole Foods, if you don't have a list, you don't know what you're doing, or walking into Walmart, you're going to walk out with stuff you shouldn't buy and you're going to overspend. So thank, uh, thank all the folks who came before us to ensure that we could invest in a low-cost, simple, long-term ma manner. And the exchange traded fund has been a force for good. One of the rare moments of disagreement between me and Mr. John Bogle, but I agree with his premise that it could be a gateway drug to activity that is not beneficial to you, the investors. So just watch yourself. Next article, Wall Street Journal, the rich pull money from banks offering paltry rates. Wealth management clients are moving deposits into higher yielding treasuries and money market funds, which can pay between 4 and 5%, compared to 0.33% on a typical savings account. Now this, the punchline of this article is not what you think. It is not, oh, listener, look at your accounts and ensure you are not getting hosed by the big banks with low rates. Of course that's true, but I, I've been saying that every week. What I want to talk about now is agency issues and who your advisor actually is. So in this article, uh, it is written that the divergence was on display in Bank of America's fourth quarter earnings earlier this month. Deposits at the bank's wealth unit, which includes Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, fell 17% to $324 billion, whereas deposits in the consumer unit hardly fell at all. Huh. Well, I wonder what's going on there. The article explains, but doesn't go into detail, that, oh, just the wealthy seem to uh, have a little more mobility and be more sensitive to these interest rate hikes, and therefore they're moving money. But what I thought, and what I've experienced myself is, oh, who's advising them to move the money from the low interest rate environment 
the Bank of America or Merrill Lynch has them into higher rates? Is it the advisors? Or are these clients dictating this themselves? It's my belief that there could be some good eggs out there. There could be some good advisors out there saying, hey, let's go. But the article continues and references, the flight of wealth deposits poses a big business issue for firms such as Charles Schwab, which relies on the extra cash that investors leave in their accounts for a large part of its revenue. Bingo. So if you are at Charles Schwab and you are being advised by a Charles Schwab advisor, this is a problem. You do not have alignment. The Charles Schwab advisor, in all likelihood, has been encouraged, hey, keep people in these interest rate bearing instruments that are low. This is 100% happening at JP Morgan. I can, I know that for certainty. Charles uh, TD Ameritrade, if you are unadvised, no one's asking you to move your money. I mean, you, you could have $10 million at 0.01% and no one from TD Ameritrade is going to ask you to move it around. They might call and say, set up a meeting with an advisor, whatever. There's a profit center for a lot of these folks. Now, we can believe the best in this situation, and, and I don't have chapter and verse of where someone's dictating this, but this is, this is why you need an independent financial advisor. This is your regular reminder that you are your primary advisor. You have to advocate for yourself. Your spouse, Lord willing, typically can be your second best advisor. And then an independent fee-only advisor should be your third best advisor, where this is a person who is not compensated by the number of assets you have with them or the product you buy or the movements you make with your money. They are truly getting paid for their time to give you advice. That's what you want to create for yourself. And, and you see this with cash when you have these agency issues. Uh-oh, are we supposed to, you know, if, if I tell my manager, if I'm at wealth, if I'm at, uh, you know, Merrill Lynch Wealth Management, and I, hey, this client moved all their cash that we had on the books into an ETF that yields 4.5%. Ah, uh, maybe that helps them, but does it help us? You, why even entertain that conflict? You wouldn't want to do it. And the article continues. And this is where I know it's happening for sure. JP Morgan Chase and Company deposits fell 17% in its assets and wealth management unit. Huh. And only 1% in consumer banking. Wells Fargo and Company's wealth management deposits dropped 28%. Hmm. But I know for certain that JP Morgan Chase and Company are not. They're not calling you and saying, hey, you're only earning 1% right now on your deposits. Why don't you move into an ETF or a different product? beware of where you receive your financial advice. Ensure that it is objective and they, that they are truly looking out for your best interest. And the word fiduciary sadly doesn't mean anything anymore. Someone can be a fiduciary. I just put it on a piece of paper, I'll throw it away. It doesn't mean anything. I've not seen it mean anything. You could, you could have CFP next to the name, write it on paper, throw it away. I've not seen it mean anything. You've got to advocate for yourself. You've got to be your primary advisor, which involves education, which involves hard work. And that's not a sermon... Not a sermon I like hearing, but it's the only way to go. Uh, and in closing, in closing, not too different here, but jittery investors turn to cash and hunt for yield. Again, cash, yield, again. Investors have added $135 billion to global money market funds over the past four weeks, the best stretch since the four-week period in May of 2020. So investors have added about $135 billion to global money market funds over the past four weeks. That's the best stretch since the four-week period in May 2020. Okay, so why do I care? I keep hammering this podcast about cash and optimize your cash rates and why, why would you get 0% at the bank when you can get 4 or 4.5 or Vanguard's money market's like 4.3 right now and there are other ETFs that you, if, you know, if you're not at Vanguard, you know, all that. Cash management matters. 
But I want to talk about psychology here. So in this article, at the very kind of the end of the article, it says in December, individual investors slightly lowered the share of cash in their portfolios to about 21.8%, below the historical average of roughly 22.5%. According to the survey by the American Association of Individual Investors, I can't wait to join that group. I want to, how do you get to that? I want to be a part of that. The reading still marks one of the highest levels since May of 2020. And... Later on in this article, it says, since 2000, cash in U.S. dollars would have lost around 43% of its real spending power. I'll read read that again. Since 2000, cash in U.S. dollars would have lost 43% of its spending power. 2000 is not that long ago, 23 years ago. You're telling me you're losing 43% of your spending power just because of inflation? So when I read, oh, wow, (laughs) 22.5% is the historical average of cash in portfolios. I think, whoa, what is going on here? Why are people doing that? Well, psychology, typically. I don't recommend you hold any cash, any cash at all, in your actual investment portfolio. Of course, I recommend an emergency fund that can be held in some of these short-term instruments or in an online bank account. That's fine. But the idea that you're going to keep cash in your portfolio and somehow use it as a way to feel good at night or as a stuffed animal to sleep well at night or even as a market timing mechanism, oh, I'm going to stay in cash and wait for the big dip, that is not helpful. You are you are uh, plain chicken and I don't recommend the game. So as you know, since 2000, if you just held on, you would have lost 43% of your spending power. So don't don't play that game. Invest fully, invest completely. If, if you need to, do it in a balanced manner, 60-40, stock bond. Don't, But don't play the cash game. Even at 4.5% rates, even at 4.3% rates, this is not a game you want to play. You should be fully invested. Have that emergency one, have that cash balance, but don't sit around thinking that somehow cash is going to help you have a better outcome over a 30-year period or a 50-year period. It will not. If, if you told me I'm going to compete with someone on a rate of return basis and they're comfortable with 25% cash, I would chuckle because there's no way they're going to beat me over 30 years. Not a chance. It's like a giant backpack filled with bowling balls and they're hiking up a mountain with me. I know eventually they're just going to get weighed down and cash over time, despite its optionality, is just going to weigh you down. So have a real good reason. Give every dollar a job as I like to say, in your budgeting journey. So have a, have a strong emergency fund as needed. But don't don't miss your portfolio up with a bunch of cash. It's not worth it. As always, keep those costs low. Keep that time horizon long. Keep that investing simple. That's what's going to give you the best shot on your investing journey. Look forward to having you tune in next time.